Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Thanks for downloading the Kent Online Podcast. Welcome along. We've got a roundup of the top stories that have been happening in Kent today, Friday, January the 8th. And I'm afraid coronavirus does still continue to dominate the headlines. And very sadly, yesterday it was reported 50 people had died of the virus in Kent's hospitals, the highest number in the county in a single day. 30 of those deaths were at Medway Maritime in Gillingham. More than 1,500 new cases were also confirmed in the county. Dartford still has the highest infection rate, followed by Gravesham and Medway. They're all well above the national average. And bosses at Darren Valley Hospital in Dartford say critical care remains at full stretch as coronavirus cases and deaths continue to rise. It follows reports they raised the emergency alert level to the highest CritCon level for yesterday, where the NHS Trust say that hasn't happened, but they are operating at maximum capacity. Our colleagues at KMTV have been speaking to Dartford Councillor Ricky Jones, who's currently there being treated for COVID. He's told us what conditions are like. Uh, it's brim, uh, it's full to the capacity, there's no empty beds. The staff are running around under extreme pressure to deal with everybody. I and myself are on oxygen. Um, I'm taking, I'm having a, a concoction of 10 tablets in the morning and lots of top-ups with paracetamol throughout the day and an injection in the belly to stop my belly bleeding as a result of uh, any blood uh, that I could end up getting in the belly as a result of the, um, not taking the uh, needle. So I'm having the needle for that also. I'm breathless, I can't move, um, and it, it's a, it's an awful situation to be in. I cannot imagine it, any of our children want to see this happen to their parents. I know mine are really so upset that I'm like this at the present moment, and I know that the other children of their age group need to take this more seriously. The other issue that we've got with this COVID situation is people, when the first wave came, were being very sensible in the shops. They were social distancing and there was no issue. But recently, people have just tended to forget that and people are barging into one another. They're getting up close, which is, is helping to spread any infection in anyone can pick up so that really people really really need to be taking that more more seriously meantime the kent mp is asking the government to be more open about the analysis it considers when making decisions about coronavirus lockdowns we are of course in the third national lockdown the commons science committee are calling for transparency around the impact restrictions can have on our jobs and well-being they also want the membership of key advisory bodies to be made public Tunbridge Wells MP Greg Clark is the group's chair and says that's already the case for the scientific advisers. We think these new bodies should do the same as uh, SAGE uh, eventually did, which is to publish the, the evidence and to be, make it clear so that others can, can scrutinise it and have confidence. 
Elsewhere, there are calls for decisions to be made early on this year's Kent Test as thousands of children spend more time homeschooling. Last year's exam, you might remember, which determines which pupils are considered for a grammar school place, was delayed for a month. Joe Bartley from Comprehensive Future says learning remotely is also very different for many children. Every year, the 11 plus is influenced by how much tuition children have. But this year, more than ever, uh, it's a test of what you learn in school. It's a test of maths and English. And some children will be having questions on algebra and, they've, and they haven't, their teachers, poor things, haven't had a chance to teach them those things. The schools can't assume that every child has a, a laptop. I mean, often there's one laptop shared between three, three children, perhaps, and a parent who needs to work from home. So, so circumstances are very different for children. And that means that their education is, is, is not the same. It's not a level playing field. I think there have been some efforts to improve access for disadvantaged pupils, but, but every year we look at the figures and it's about the same amount getting in. It hasn't gone up. It's just a, a real problem that, that middle class advantaged children are claiming grammar school places. And it's very hard to shift that because there's so many of those kind of families working with tutors and, and doing appeals and, you know, really pushing for their children to get the places. So it's very hard for a, a bright child in a disadvantaged family to, to have the same opportunity to get a grammar school place, which is a problem of the system in, in general. We all hope schools will go back to normal very quickly, but if they don't, we're in the same situation where, where the children who've had the best home circumstances and a tutor will get the places, and other children who have an equal chance to get there in normal circumstances won't get the places. So I think make a plan now. Just as in Northern Ireland, um, about half the grammar schools are just accepting children based on distance this year, and parents have accepted it. You know, they, they're actually saying that is good pastoral care from the grammar schools. Well, bosses have told us they're working hard to support schools at the moment, and no decision's been made just yet on when the Kent test will be held. University students, meantime, in Kent are calling for their fees to be cut as they work remotely during lockdown. Those studying in the county are still expected to pay the full price per term, even though they're not returning to campus. Louis Eaves is a second year at Canterbury Christchurch. Being a student in the COVID-19 pandemic has been exceedingly difficult. And the fact that we're still having to pay £9,250 for the year in a year where we're not able to use all the facilities that we normally would seems extortionate in a way. I don't believe that it is down to the universities themselves to give us the reduction in fees because at the end of the day, they need the fees to still be able to stay open and still pay off for all the buildings and pay the lecturers who are still trying to give us the best education we can have. The government needs to subsidise them or help them in some way like it has helped every other area in the UK. I believe that students are getting a rough end of the deal and in all honesty, I feel like they are just being used as scapegoats or forgotten about. He wants the government to step in and help universities financially, as you heard, so that saving then can be passed on to students. Well, to get more reaction to this, I've been speaking to solicitor Graham Jones, who's an education specialist at Whitehead Moncton in Maidstone. They must be feeling pretty bad. I mean, I, I, again, it's varying from university to university. I, I read today that um, uh, students doing uh, medicine or veterinary courses 
are going to be asked to come back for face-to-face -face, um, tutoring, subject having COVID tests, etc. And everybody else is going to be have to doing this online. And it is sort of unfair that you're paying £9,000 a year not to be able to experience the full university um, experience. But that is a contract between you and the university. And I, I don't think universities are going to be particularly keen on allowing any form of discount at all because they need still need to run. They still need to pay their lecturers. So it's an unfortunate situation for university students. It's a case of motivating yourself if you are being um, told to study at home. But I think you need to engage in a discussion with your university. Um, universities want to attract students and retain students. If a university gets a name for not being helpful to their students, um, there's a student survey every year which publishes student satisfaction. Universities don't want their reputations badly damaged by being too hard-nosed. So I would have thought how they will do it, there must be some accommodation to try and help students that are in a very difficult situation. The government is again being urged to offer more support to soft play centres as we learn that four out of the six in West Kent have had to close for good during the crisis. The owner of Adventure Kids in Maidstone says they've only been able to open for six weeks since the start of last year. They're one of only two indoor play centres in the area still in business. The other is Clip and Climb in Tunbridge. And finally, a Medway pub has lost its licence after holding illegal lock-ins during November's coronavirus lockdown. The Hop and Rye in Wainscott allow people to drink at their venue on at least five separate occasions. One of the co-owners says they were his business partner's friends and he's going to appeal the decision. Kent Online News. Away from COVID news now, and a judge has ruled doctors can stop providing life support for a brain-damaged girl from Stroud. Five-year-old Pippa Knight is currently at the Evelina Children's Hospital in London, where medical staff have argued stopping treatment is in her best interests. Her mum Paula's been fighting it in the High Court, but after visiting her bedside, the judge has ruled in favour of the doctors. Gillingham Football Club has had another break-in less than three weeks after the last one. A safe containing priceless journals dating back to 1900 was stolen during a burglary in the early hours of Thursday. They've shared a video of the suspect on their Twitter. An undercover investigation has found illegal tobacco is being sold at a shop in Folkestone Town Centre. Our reporter was able to buy some from Euromarket for much cheaper and it came without the usual label that says UK duty paid. They were also offered a discount if they recommended a friend to purchase some. It has been reported to Trading Standards. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been hearing how a part of Thanet is leading the way in a street football revolution. A form of the game known as Panna is being played by young people after a video of a young girl nutmegging an opponent went viral. Yofi Yavara set up Yo Street Zone. Panna, it's like, um, it's like a genre of street football. Um, and basically it's like the art of getting the ball between your opponent's legs. So um, it's like, it's, it's one move that is like the, the ultimate move in street football. Nobody likes to get it through their legs. So um, yeah, we, we kind of, the, the style that we do is Kapana street football, which is from Holland and Holland have, um, they like to win, but they like to win with style and the best way they, and but they like to like seriously annihilate their opponents. So they've got crazy skills to get past the opponent, but um, they, they've specialized the art of getting it through your opponent. And so that's what we specialize in. That's what I've like teach around here. This little side of England, Margate, 
um, has, um, I know it might sound a bit cocky, but it's for me, it's got the best panel players and street football players from the UK. We opened like a, a little football school with um, some of the kids from Cliftonville. Um, they're like some, there's like so many talents there. They call it the most deprived area of, of England, but like, I don't see it like that. Like, I just see like, I see, obviously it's Raw Street. You, you have some kids who are uh, like, they're into stuff, but obviously um, if you can try and bring a, a good influence, you kind of veer them on a, on a good path. With the skills, with that little, with that flair, that raw talent, um, and there it's like tangible. And then they, they see something, whoa, actually I can do that. That's, that's here, that's in my neck of the woods. Although sessions are on hold during lockdown, it's hoped young people will be keen to learn the skills when restrictions are lifted. We're being urged to take extra care as a weather warning for ice has been issued for Kent. The yellow alert comes into force at midnight and covers the whole of England and Wales until 11 tomorrow morning. It could make roads and paths particularly slippery if they haven't been treated. An old toilet block near Margate is going under the hammer for almost a quarter of a million pounds. The derelict building in Westgate comes with planning permission for a detached three-bedroom house right next to the beach. It's up for auction later this month. You can see pictures of it at kentonline.co.uk. And a photo of what looks very much like a penguin on Folkestone Beach has caused a bit of a storm on social media. Head to Kent Online because you can see the image which was taken on Wednesday. Turns out the bird was actually a guillemot which needed to be checked over by vets. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham welcome Burton Albion and their new manager to Priestfield this weekend. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank has taken over at the side who are currently bottom of League One. The Jills are in 14th place in the table and looking to avoid three defeats in a row. We've been catching up with midfielder Jordan Graham who says he's going to be looking to take advantage of their opponent's position. Home win for me, for sure. I don't think there's any, there's there's no if buts or maybes uh... In my head, there's definitely not in the team's head uh, and there's certainly not in the gaffer's head. So, yeah, I think it's a case of um, we've had a good week this week on the on the training pitches. You know, we've we've uh, gone quite in depth into shape and, and uh, patterns of play and movement. And I think the boys have enjoyed it. I think it's been quite, um, quite positive. Uh, the attitude's been good. The quality's been good. We've been back at our training ground. So everything's, uh, everything's like quite positive this week. And I think now it's just been all leading up to to the, to the game on Saturday against Burton. I think there's a lot of built-up anger in the team from, from the Plymouth game. Like, how on earth we didn't at least get a point from that game? I, I think we're all still bamboozled by it. So, I think the boys are eager to get out there on Saturday and, 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 and put things right from the get-go. The boys have always believed. We've always we've always had our, our belief between us in the group. Uh, the staff have always believed in us. And, you know, like I said earlier when I, when I did... Um, when I was talking to the media when we was having the, that run earlier on in the season, I said this, these things can happen. You know, in football, it's 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 tough. It's not a it's not a, a given that you're going to win every game. And I think if you, if you look at Liverpool right now, they're they're going through a tough patch and they've almost been like robots for the last two years. And it can happen. And I think with us, such a new group um, earlier on in the season when we had that run, we just said to ourselves, we've got the ability in the group to to get out of this. We just need to to stay calm. It happens. Let's get it out of the way earlier on in the season than rather later. And this has been similar-ish, but you know, I believe that we've got uh, we've got some good players coming back from injury. We've got good morale in the squad, um, and I think obviously with a couple of additions, hopefully in the January window, I think we'll be we'll be absolutely fine. 
Kickoff tomorrow is at two. That's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. You can also subscribe to the IM News app, which will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.